Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to another wonderful episode of Plays in Action. Uh, this is your friend Jared, along with my longtime friend Ben. Uh, we're excited for this week 14 of the CFL season. Uh, the I hate to say it, but the leaves are starting to change, and it's getting to be some of that good fall fall uh, football season. Um, ben, are, are, do you have any fall favorite drinks? I'm going to totally pull this out of left field. Are you a pumpkin spice fan or anything like that? Uh, I don't believe in celebrating fall in any way, shape, or form, Jared. <laughs> it is uh, it is one of the worst times of year, followed only by winter. Winter is worse. <laughs> so it, I was yeah, I was thinking of tweeting about this the other day. I don't think I actually did. It's probably in my saves somewhere. Ben's dark thoughts, but the reality is, summer <laughs> is the time of life we all get to be happy. Fall is the time we know death is coming. Winter, we just wish we were all dead. And in spring, we think, maybe it's not so bad, I'll try it over again. Maybe. And that's yeah. kind of the way seasons work around here. So no, fall is just a time for despair, knowing that the worst is yet to come. So no, I, <laughs> I do not celebrate. I do not partake in the fall drinks. I uh, don't begrudge anybody their feelings, but you don't get to tell me what mine will be. Well, and our listeners are also listening to uh, a Chicago Bears fan and a Seahawks fan, so it's uh, uh, it's a little grim, a little bleak, uh, even with the NFL season starting as well, too. Uh, I don't think our teams are going to do well in the NFL. Officially the worst receiving core in the history of the NFL on my Bears, and officially probably <laughs> the worst starting quarterback room in the history of football for your Seahawks. So you put them together. Gino Smith. Put them together and they might lose to Ottawa. That's how bad it's gotten. <laughs> right? I don't know. But oh. uh, yeah, life gets dark that way. It's true. Well, uh, like I said, this is uh, we're not going to talk about the NFL, even though that's kicking off. We're, I'm excited about that. I look forward to that on Sundays and um, watching with that. But uh, today we're going to talk all about CFL. Week 14, we're over the halfway mark. Labor Day weekend is behind us. Uh, we're on a four-game slate, uh, as usual, but uh, like Ben mentioned last week, we're on a, a tight uh, schedule. The game starts are a lot tighter, so we've only got one game Friday night. Uh, that's BC out in Montreal, and then a triple header on Saturday. So the first game is Toronto at Ottawa, um, and then followed with up with the Banjo Bowl, middle of the afternoon, Saskatchewan in Winnipeg. Uh, and then finishes off in the evening with the uh, rematch of the Battle of Alberta with Calgary coming up the QE2 to Edmonton to verse the Elks. Uh, but before we get into the games and the lines and all that kind of stuff, we want to, want to once again thank Prize Picks uh, for being great supporters of this show ever since episode one. And Ben, will please, will you please tell us more about Prize Picks? Prize Picks is a site that makes fantasy sports simple. You just pick over-unders on two to five players on individual stats or fantasy scores from more sports than you can count on and wish cash. So right now, if you sign up with promo code BENYAMIN, that's B-E-N-Y-A-M-E-N, you can get a 100% bonus on your first deposit and help support the show. That's Prize Picks, daily fantasy made easy. And yes, with the college season underway and NFL getting underway uh, right away here, uh, Prize Picks obviously has to devote their attention to to there, which we do not begrudge them whatsoever. Um, and so, if 
if any of our listeners are on Prize Picks already, uh, I hope they are aware. I think they still have the Brady promo. Yeah, they still have the Tom Brady promo there. Uh, so if he throws more than one yard, that one hits. So if you're not on Prize Picks yet, definitely now is a great time to jump over there, take advantage of that Tom Brady promo. He throws more than one yard. Uh, that one is already a hit. And uh, make sure when you sign up at Prize Picks, use that code Ben Yaman. Uh, to get double the money, whatever you uh, uh, deposit in there, um, price picks will match it when you use the code BENYAMIN, and it helps us out. Okay, CFL, four games. First game we've got, okay, so Ben and I were chatting about this before we hit record. We have to, we we will celebrate when we win, and we will confess when we were wrong. Last week, we missed all of our bets. Four for four, All of Jared. the favorites. <laughs> four, yeah, four for four. Perfect they week. All lost. The um, it was all the favorites either cover like they didn't cover, uh, so they lost against the spread, um, and then Toronto just destroyed Hamilton at home and and in Hamilton. So, well, so that would hurt. <laughs> in fairness, Hamilton chose the road of self-immolation in that game. Like that was uh, that was self destruction. Like the cover of a they Rage Against Machine the, album. Yeah, they looked at the self destruct button and they were like, "I wonder how hard we can push that." Well, now we know, because yeah, you start the rookie quarterback in bad weather and he struggles out the gate against the wind, and then you bench him for the other rookie quarterback who gets a four turnovers and four possessions. <laughs> so what do you do? You go back to the other guy you just benched in his first game. Like congratulations, Hamilton! You played yourself. That was <laughs> yeah. Like the abominable coaching last week, whether it was Saskatchewan or Hamilton, really took the cake. It was kind of the story of the slate. So yeah, four for four, yeah. perfect week, zero right on the uh, game picks, but on the DraftKings side, we all made significant bank. There was a lot of winning. We did. Won a half dozen contests myself and. Made good money, so like it was the best week of the year for that much. So, yeah, come to uh, the podcast for the game picks and stay for the DraftKings because only one of them is worth listening. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Um, we're still going to take a look at those lines. Um, just bringing this up. So right now, uh, BC is is favored in Montreal. Um, minus three with a with a whopping like fifty three and a half, fifty four over under. Um, and then on Saturday, the Toronto currently is favored uh, just by two in Ottawa. And then we've got Winnipeg seven and a half point favorites in Winnipeg, and then Calgary obvious favorites nine and a half uh, in Edmonton, which is interesting because last week it was twelve and a half in Calgary, and now they're in Edmonton and it's down to nine and a half. Um, there are some funny lines this week, Jared. Like yeah. BC opened up seven and a half. Cool. Yeah, the line has moved four and a half already in early week, right? Mm-hmm. So where they were thinking seven and a half points were coming for a BC win, I really don't know. Traveling all the way across this great nation to Montreal mm-hmm. and then having to play a game on the East Coast three hours different from their own time zone. Like, yeah. It was going to be bad. And starting Pippin at quarterback isn't great. Like anytime you've got a hobbit under center, it's not going to help. <laughs> so That's I think, yeah, it, BC minus three is questionable. And then you've got yeah. the Winnipeg game 
it was Winnipeg minus three and a half versus Saskatchewan <laughs> last week. Yeah. And the Riders basically won that game if they hadn't chosen to give it away at the end of it, yeah. or at least kept it within a single score. And then you've got Calgary that's only minus nine after they were 12 and a half last week mm-hmm. and clearly basically dominated Edmonton from the second quarter on in that game. So yeah. it, yeah, there's some, there's some funky lines here and we will guarantee that uh, we will pick them all right for you or you can have your money back. <laughs> Not Wait, from what? the book, but from the subscription. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> uh, even that 54-point over-under, like that's the biggest over-under uh, in the BC-Montreal game. Uh, like with a Rourkeless BC, I, I, mm-hmm. I can't see them scoring, you know, a total of 54. I think in the last couple of weeks, you know, the last two games BC's played without Rourke, I don't even think they've cracked 40 as a uh, total. Uh, they've only team. had the one game without Rourke versus Saskatchewan. Oh, and that okay. was the the O'Connor Pipkin debacle, where yeah. everyone was terrible, and Cody Fajardo came out of the woodwork and looked amazing. And all of a sudden, everybody said the Rough Riders are good again, so that they could lose at home on Labor Day. Um, <laughs> no bitterness. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where BC scores points from. BC minus yeah. three is questionable in Montreal. Yeah. With, until they show that they've got an answer at quarterback. It's hard yeah. to say what's going to happen. And even BC doesn't really know what's going to happen at quarterback so far. We know Pipkin is going to be the starter, but Coach Campbell is already on the record saying that Vernon Adams will be involved in the game in some way, shape, or form. So what that looks like, who knows? If it's a full game of Vernon Adams, I think BC minus three is totally fair. BC mm-hmm. minus six and a half is probably getting closer to it. But yeah. if we're seeing mostly Pipkin... And then Vernon Adams is the it's too late, we'll put him in anyways quarterback change. Well, they are already out of the game at that point. So yeah, no, 53 and a half seems awfully high, given that the BC defense is still probably a top three defense in the league overall. Their yeah. defense hasn't gotten injured. They are mm-hmm. still good on defense. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think under 53 and a half is probably a fair bet. Yeah. And I mean, what a week for... Uh, BC, to, they could start Adams and have this like reverse or uh, revenge matchup against his old team, Montreal. Um, like I feel like that would be something that would be locker board or locker room material to get everybody fired up and, and ready to play. It'd be interesting. I think the issue that they run into is it's professional football and he's been in Vancouver for like 10 days, right? <laughs> yeah. Learning a playbook in 10 days is a tough push. Like, For a pro quarterback, it usually takes a year or two at least in a system before they really know enough of the nuances that they kind of run the system instead of just run chaos. Mm -hmm. So like 10 days in for a guy like Adams, who isn't known as the most thoughtful of decision makers to start with, right? like his game is chaos and running, right? He is a, he's a more talented version of Antonio Pipkin. So (laughs) Yeah. yeah. I, I would expect that it, he probably knows little to none of the playbook. And if he goes out there, it's backyard football where yeah. he tells the guys in that hole, you go deep, you do a five yard out, you do a five yard hook on two break. Yeah. So yeah, I, I can see why they're starting with Pipkin because he's at least been there since the off season, but it'll be, it'll be a tough push for the BCD or the BC offense to score points either direction, I think. I'm curious to know what you think too, because you were at the Ryder game last week. Um, like with that seven and a half, Winnipeg favored by seven and a half, 
is are these two teams more competitive, like closer matched than the standings would tell, or was that just kind of a fluke weekend? Labor Day weekend. I wouldn't call it a fluke necessarily. Like Saskatchewan came out and moved the ball like they haven't all season. Hmm. That certainly getting Kyron Moore and Shaq Evans and Braden Lenius and all these guys back on the roster made a big difference for Fajardo's confidence in being able to throw the ball somewhere other than two yard swing passes. Yeah. And they started calling plays that were deeper than two yard swing passes for the first time all season. So the offense certainly looked better than it has at any point. And that, I think, is moderately sustainable. The defense did what this defense usually does. It's a pretty good defense. And the Winnipeg offense yeah. scores enough points to win, but it's never blowing the doors off of anybody. Yeah. So if they're both going to play grinded-out football and both defenses are fairly competent, I think probably Winnipeg should safely be a three-and-a-half-point favorite, but seven-and-a-half yeah. seems a little bit much. Yeah. So that being said, Winnipeg probably wins by 30 and makes me look stupid again. And that's okay. <laughs> okay. I, um, I blame I'm all of you proud though. Man. I blame you because last couple of weeks you've been like, hooray chaos and bring chaos. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Well, Ver- when you've got no talented quarterbacks left in the league, that's what you get. You get weekly chaos, right? Yeah. Because somebody is bound to start a quarterback under center that has no business being in professional football. Thanks, yeah. Hamilton. <laughs> and you have other teams that have a bunch of quarterbacks that all kind of are moderate journeyman backup caliber. And yeah. that's kind of what we're seeing now. This is where the league has arrived. Perfect yeah. parody where no one is good and it's not that interesting. So <laughs> they do their best. We watch it anyways and hope to win money because, yeah, I, I think we're going to get continuous chaos through the rest of the season until we have a dominant quarterback or two that kind of steps out and shows that they can consistently produce on a weekly basis. Because as of right now, I don't think there is one. Yeah. That is very true. Well, talking about quarterbacks, why don't we jump on over to building some DraftKings lineups. And um, yeah, let's let's start at that quarterback position. Uh, Let's see. We got, going into the week, we've got, the four games, like you said, the Saturday triple header. Yeah. Calgary has the highest implied team total on the slate at 29.75, followed by BC at 28.25. I think if you can get a book that gives you individual team totals, anything that looks like a BC 28, you can slam the under on that one because maybe Montreal finds a way to score 30. There's yeah. no way BC is putting up 28 points at this point. So yeah, I think no. that's probably my favoritest safest bet of the week if you can find the implied team total 28 under on bc mm. winnipeg at 26 and a half montreal at 25 and a quarter toronto 24 and a half ottawa at 23 and a half edmonton at 20.75 and then saskatchewan at that wonderful below 20 19 point team total uh the books do not believe in saskatchewan i can't really blame them but mm-hmm. uh i guess in my heart i hope for best Looking at the weather this week, it looks like everyone is still in nice summer football weather. Toronto at Ottawa looks like it's probably going to be 29, 30 degrees that day. If you're playing a full game in the middle of the afternoon hot sun at 30 degrees, it's 
going to be a scorcher and it's going to be tough on those rotation players and you might see a few guys rotating through a little bit more at receiving cores than you would otherwise everywhere else looks like perfect football weather for this time of year so Mm -hmm. if we get into the quarterbacks just like last week taylor cornelius and jake meyer are the top two quarterbacks on the slate they have gone up slightly but their prices are pretty similar at 9k and 8k range not only are most of these games this week rematches from the previous week but DraftKings saw fit to just basically put up the same salaries as last week as well, too. So Cornelius is the top projection based on his rushing upside, but the matchup versus Calgary and the general struggles of the Edmonton offense make him a less interesting option, given that he is almost 10K, certainly a little bit less than Meyer in my mind. Calgary is allowed just 7.94 yards per pass attempt and an average rate of TDs per pass attempt by league average. Edmonton, however, continues to be the worst defense in the league and allows a league high 9.38 yards per pass attempt and a TD rate that is 20% higher than the second worst defense in the rest of the CFL. So Jake Meyer does not have the same kind of rushing upside as Torrey Cornelius, but the matchup is certainly there to be exploited. Meyer was about 40% owned last week. He'll probably be a little bit higher this week, but people love playing Zach Kalaros. They love playing Cody Fajardo. They love some of these other options, so you'll probably be able to go well overweight on Meyer still and be able to leverage that situation. Cornelius is still in play a little bit due to his rushing touchdown upside, given that he stays in on those goal line sets, but Meyer, I think, is a much more reliable play given his overall talent of his receiving core and the option of passing versus Edmonton all week. So I think the real wild card play at quarterback this week is the aforementioned Pippen, who now finds himself leading the potent BC Lions attack. Working in his favor is his rushing ability and likely goal line work. Mm. Um, He also has the best wide receiving core in the CFL, and he had 20 plus DK points in each of his three starts all the way back in 2018. So there's reason to believe he can put up points, but working against Pipkin is his being Antonio Pipkin. <laughs> so it's it's well documented that he cannot pass the football with any consistency at a pro level. Also, Vernon Adams is listed as the backup quarterback, but Coach Campbell has already stated he will be involved in the game at some level. So if Pipkin gets 100% of the quarterback work, which we already know he won't, then he is the top projected quarterback on the slate given the matchup and given the power that he has to work with. But if he were to give up even, say, 20% of that work, he becomes the worst quarterback projected on the slate. So given that, Pipkin is probably worth a sprinkle in multi-entry contests, but he carries a ton of risk that he could be 30 and he could be 3 and nowhere in between should be much of a surprise. So Mm -hmm. every other quarterback on this slate I don't think is even worth considering in tournaments due to salary or limited upside. So those three will probably make up my player pool this week at quarterback. Uh, You're not going to have any uh, Levi Lewis at uh, $9,900? Wouldn't that be fun? (laughs) Levi Lewis, man, what a dude. Uh, The raging Cajun himself won me more than a few dollars on college fantasy football over the last couple of years. He's fantastic, and I'm super excited the Riders signed him, but I don't think that he will see the field for the rest of the season at least. And if he does, it's probably a disaster for the Rough Riders because he won't be used to this game yet, and it means they will have lost at least three other quarterbacks to injury over the course of something. So, Levi, I'm waiting for you. I will buy the jersey as soon as it's available. 
And I think, like I said, Levi Lewis, three years from now, probably an all-star. But for now, I just hope he doesn't have to come on the field. It's great. Like, he's never played a snap in the CFL. And on DraftKings, he's $400 more than Cornelius. <laughs> yeah, there, there's some funny stuff with pricing this week where a couple of new players came on to the slate and they absolutely jacked up the prices. And then some other guys that we'll mention later on, like Dylan Mitchell, who had 20 points last week at 2700 continues to be exactly $2,700 again this week, right? So yeah. yeah, there is some funny blips on the radar in the pricing scheme this week. And we told listeners last week about Dylan Mitchell. Like that was our that was our golden nugget last week. And if you had Mitchell in your DraftKings lineup, you were probably a happy camper. But yeah, uh, he was only eight percent owned in the Maple Leaf, and uh, I expect it will probably be significantly higher this week. You think it's, it's still at only twenty seven hundred? Like, don't you think he falls uh, below the radar? <laughs> like, maybe we shouldn't give people too much credit. We've seen some. <laughs> Some really bad stuff over the years, but yeah. Like you said, I there's people that's there's people that still start uh, Wolotarowski or whatever. Yeah, Wolotarski, the never guy. But <laughs> anyways, we we digress. Um, okay, over to running back. Is it? Um, I feel like Hickson did okay in Saskatchewan. I I don't know uh, about anyone else last week. Yeah, there is. It was a good week for running backs. Maybe the best overall week for running backs we've seen this season. It was a pretty weird week in some ways because no one had a particularly gigantic week. Right. And only Don Jackson and Brady Oliveira were absolute disasters at the position, but both of them were priced as such that nobody was really going to play them much anyways. Don mm-hmm. Jackson, I think, was 10K and Oliveira near 8, and they were both low single-digit owned, and yeah, we're absolutely terrible, and that was kind of expected. So Kadeem Carey had the biggest start to the game of anybody versus Edmonton on Monday, but he basically disappeared in the second half mm-hmm. as kind of the whole Calgary offense tried to reboot and get its feet under it by entering into the passing game a bit more so they could get Meyer rolling. So... Kadeem Carey was only 30% owned a week ago, and hopefully he stays low again this week, as his 11K salary should likely help with that. Yeah. Edmonton is the best matchup for opposing running backs in the league, allowing 5.14 yards per attempt and near double the league average rate of rushing TDs per attempt. So I like Carey a lot this week. He's probably not going to be difficult to fit given some of the cheap options on the slate, and likely he's going to be underowned yet again this week. Um, James Butler is a similar projection and a similar salary, but he hasn't exceeded 14 points since week three, and he's gotten that high only twice since then. His rates are basically riding a massive start to the season in the first three weeks, and it's impossible to think he gets back to that kind of productivity with Pipkin as his quarterback, so he's a no for me, dog. I am not (laughs) going to be having any Butler this week. And that brings up kind of the two mid-priced options at 5K in the aforementioned Hickson and AJ Omelet. So Hickson (laughs) is guaranteed the full workload, and he looked exceptional, frankly, as a runner and passer and receiver with his speed, elusiveness, ability to run through contact. He looked great versus Winnipeg. Um, Winnipeg allows an above average rate of yards per attempt at 4.9, but they've only given up five rushing touchdowns all season to this point. So you kind of have to keep your expectations in check and know that if Hickson's going to hit 3x value, he's going to have to probably catch four balls. 
Mm. Um, AJ Omelette's usability is basically contingent on Javon Leak's availability this week. If Leak is back, then Ouellette probably seeds some of the work to Leak, and that makes him a really sketchy option. If mm-hmm. Leak is out again, as he was last week, and as he's missed practice so far this week, then there's kind of that 10 carry, 8 target upside versus a bad Ottawa defense. So maybe the final option at running back this week, beside the omelette and Hickson, is Kevin Brown of the Elks, who looked fast and elusive for Edmonton in his debut versus Calgary last week. At just $2,500, he had 15.6 DraftKings points versus Calgary with 45 rush yards and a whopping 10 targets in the game for six receptions and 51 yards. 10 targets for a running back tells you everything you need to know about the Edmonton offense. So I don't think you can count on 10 targets again ever, but if he's starting, he's certainly going to be dangerous. And even if he's technically the backup to Leitre, I think he's probably still worth having at least a couple lineups with Kevin Brown this week, given the uh, utility that he showed last week versus Calgary. Now, in past episodes, I've I've certainly heard you talk about um, like value, like uh, guys have to hit a certain points um, to kind of be worth what we're paying for them. So on a guy like Brown or like we talked about Dylan Mitchell already, how much over, like what is the calculation that you do to figure out that they are four times Three times, yeah. Three times salary is a pretty great, production for any player like if you look at it overall 150 points is going to win you the maple leaf every week Hmm. that's kind of an expectation so if you can get three times salary for DraftKings points then you know that they've turned out pretty well for you now right now it's kind of a funny situation given how high some salaries are and how low some are you know you're not going to be getting 30 plus points from Kadeem Carey his salary, mm. I mean, his ceiling is about 25. But if you can lock in that 25 points, you take it every time from Kerry and you just understand you're getting less than two and a half times value. Um, but you know that the salary for every expensive player is in that same two to two and a half X range. So you probably need a little bit more than three X from your cheap punt plays. Like I think you probably want 10 points from Kevin Brown if you're going to play Kevin Brown this week. Okay. Um, otherwise you're not going to get to where you probably need to be to win a tournament. But I think probably with those near min price guys, 2,500 for Brown or 2,700 for Mitchell, if you can get in that 10 point range for them, you call that a pretty big win. And then you hope to get that two to two and a half X range for the top priced guys in the 10, 11 K their Gino Lewis, your Kadeem carries and those guys. And that in aggregate will basically turn you into that 140, 150 point window that you're looking to win a contest. And is it, and is it as simple as just multiplying? So if a guy is $3,000 on DraftKings, three times value is he's got to get nine points. Is that? Yeah. That's all that I'm is? doing. That's okay. all I'm talking about. Yep. Gotcha. There is a lot fancier ways of calculating value that are a little bit more useful. Like I think in previous times I did 2X plus the lowest salary of whatever the average position was for running back. Things Mm. like that, right? Where you get a little bit better idea of what value might look like so that the lower priced guys have to produce a bit more to actually hit value and the higher priced guys don't have to do quite as much. But if you're just looking for a simple number, you look at salaries, 3X wins you a contest, 2x maybe caches 
anything less than two X and you're losing money. Um, gotcha. It's probably about as simple as that. Hmm. Okay, that's good. Yeah, you've mentioned that the last few episodes, and I was like, I should ask you about that to to learn more. So that's good. So, okay, let's let's talk about wide receivers. Yeah, Dylan Mitchell, man, he he was awesome for us last week. I think he's going to be awesome for us again this week. Yeah, we'll take our victory lap on Dylan Mitchell. As we had him as our wide receiver for last week, he turned in twenty point six five DraftKings points at twenty seven hundred, and as mentioned, he continues to be. $2,700. So last week he was only 8% owned. <laughs> this week we should expect it to be higher, at least 10 or 12% owned, given the level of competition that we see this time of year. Um, uh, yeah, Mitchell will probably be in that 30 or 40% owned range, I think. So if you're going to be playing Mitchell, you're going to have to find your leverage points elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Gino Lewis is the top projection on the slate at wide receiver, and he's likely the most reliable 20 points that you can lock in every week in CFL fantasy, but he also has a ceiling that is about 20 points as he still hasn't had a hundred yards and a touchdown in the same game at any point this season. So 11K is a tough sell for a 20 point ceiling and BC is a tougher than average matchup for opposing receivers. The nice thing is you can lock in those 20 points and not worry about salary much if you're playing Brown and Mitchell who are both sub 3K this week. And just kind of build around that for a cash game or single entry lineup. Uh, Malik Henry is second in the projections and the top candidate for air yards redemption as he had eight targets for a million air yards versus Edmonton, but didn't convert them into much of anything. While Reggie Bagleton finally had his coming out party with two touchdowns and kind of scooped up all those wins that Malik Henry was supposed to have last week. As noted earlier, Edmonton is the most generous pass defense in the league, and I don't think Meyer will come out as slow as he did last week and have two slow weeks in a row. So I like that Calgary passing game quite a bit, whether it's Henry at the top, Bagleton second, or seeing some of the tertiary guys that they've got around for double stacks. Um, Jalen Acklin and Nick Dembski are the other members of the top five at receiver. Both had solid 20-plus point performances a week ago in similar spots to they have this week. I think they are both solid plays. Anybody in that top five, six range, you can chalk them up as much as you want. And then that brings us to the Rhymes, Whitehead, Burnham, BC receiving core, all priced over 10K. And I don't think I'm going to have any of them this week. I don't mm-hmm. believe Pipkin can distribute the ball to pay off a 10K salary for any of these guys. Um, by the time that they get to Vernon Adams, it'll be too late to salvage any of those 10K salaries in a game versus Montreal. So they're all fine players. They'll likely be very low-owned GPP sprinkles, uh, but I think you'll be drastically overpaying for them and probably they have in that 12 to 15-point range kind of ceiling as far as what they'll be able to get out of Pipkin this week versus Montreal. I think other than that, anything down past the top 10 or 12 receivers, I'm really not interested in any of them this week. With only 10 entries max in the Maple Leaf at this point, the only other potential options are the Calgary double stacks, Henry with another Calgary wide receiver. Bagleton again is in play at 9K. Kamar Jordan hasn't practiced at all this week. It is questionable to play. So if he's out, I think that probably gives you Sean Bain into the game, who had a couple of big games when Henry was out, and he likely enters the lineup, and he's a fine option for double stacks at that $4,100 price range. 
I think everyone else below the top 10 is such a dart throw. They're kind of burning money at this point, given you don't need a perfect lineup to win contests. You just need to be better than average. Um, mm-hmm. Nobody has more than 10 lineups to build. So going so far out into the weeds to play anybody that's really low and doesn't project well is probably not just suboptimal, but probably suboptimal play at this point. Cause you just don't need to get perfect anymore. There's no reason to take chances. Yeah. And I feel like salaries are are such that um, you've got lots of options. Like you're not mm-hmm. restricted by salary this week. Um, it's not a free for all. It's not like a, a limitless credit card trying to build a lineup. But um, I didn't struggle putting together some lineups or uh, fitting different nope. guys in for sure. So, um, and then finally, the uh, ever important defense and special teams position. Yeah, like every other position, salaries haven't really changed much this week from last, and Calgary is again the top option versus Edmonton. Between the sacks, the turnovers, and the low-scoring offense, there's really not too many reasons to look elsewhere in single-entry or cash game situations than the Calgary defense. I think if you're looking for tournament pivots, I think all of Winnipeg, BC, and Toronto are probably fine options. Winnipeg has the lowest implied total on the slate that they're facing versus Saskatchewan and only 19 points. Winnipeg, we know, can generate sacks and turnovers. Cody, we know, loves taking sacks and giving turnovers. So there is certainly the opportunity for Winnipeg to have a big game at home on the back end of the home-and-home. Toronto gets to face a very sack-heavy and very turnover-prone Nick Arbuckle and their Ottawa offense. So I think Toronto is live again like they had 14 points last week. And despite losing their quarterback, nothing has really hurt the BC defense and special teams. Mm-hmm. And they'll likely be a forgotten option this week versus Montreal, given the high implied team total on that game and the high overall total on that game. Um, BC, I think, will be low single-digit owned and certainly has the capacity to turn in the highest score of the week, given the volatility at the position. You're definitely off that Arbuckle uh, bandwagon now, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, he's dead to me. I said it. He had one chance versus Edmonton. That was it. You had one chance, Nick. One chance. Come on. It's done. Come on, Nick. He's gone. Yeah, it's over. The Nick Arbuckle career is over. He can ride out the chain and that's fine, but we will never see those Calgary glory days again when he was putting up MVP caliber numbers for nine weeks in a row. Sans Bo Levi Nichols. Um, yeah. <laughs> Too bad he's had his chances, but it just, there's nothing there. He holds the ball too long. When he doesn't hold it, he throws it to the other team. There's just not a lot to look forward to there, I think, for the Nick Arbuckle Ottawa's. There you go. So, um, yeah, there you go. I think there's some great value out there. I think Dylan Mitchell is still a great pickup. Uh, Kevin Brown, running back for Edmonton. Uh, Make sure to take a look at him. Uh, those are the golden nug- nuggets that we give you here. Our um, our yeah. bets. I think are, if you is not good. If you want <laughs> one, yeah. If you want one little bit that has occurred to my brain this week, not playing Dylan Mitchell, I think isn't a mistake either. He mm. disappeared completely in the second half. Like we said, he's probably going to be in every lineup in every single entry contest this week, and it's Edmonton. Like, yeah. when have you decided that you want to build around a core of Edmonton skill position players? So I'll probably be playing him in most of my lineups, 
But I don't think he's a lock button this week, given how he absolutely disappeared in the second half when Calgary decided they weren't interested in giving up seven catches and 90 yards in the first half to Dylan Mitchell. And if they come out and decide to double him in the second half, and all of a sudden Cornelius has to run and chuck and duck to Jalen Marshall and his ilk, well, maybe Dylan Mitchell disappears. I think he's still got the return work. He can still provide you two or three points in the return game that way. But yeah, there are reasons to be contrarian still and hope Mm -hmm. for chaos because chaos will come our way whether we want it or not. So embrace the chaos and just hope that it hurts you less than it hurts other people. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, One last thing before we wrap up this week's show. Obviously, you know, we're not oblivious to the fact that the NFL season is starting up tonight. Um, and so Ben, in your experience with CFL DFS, you know, with the NFL season starting, how does that affect things? Like, obviously you mentioned that the, the Maple Leaf is down to what max 10 entries and max 10. Um, well, it's been, it, yeah. it's the same year, year after year, every year since they started doing CFL contests eight years ago, right? Yeah. Your first two months, you get big 150 entry contests by the time you're into July it's 20 and 30. By the time you hit August, it's 10 and 15. And it'll be 10 for the rest of the season from here on out until it's finished now. Yeah. Um, NFL owns things. College football owns Friday, Saturday. There will It's going to be small. And by the time you get to the end of the season, you're probably hoping for three max. And just if you can eke out 20 bucks, you say, well, that was fun. And <laughs> that's where the season goes to at this point. But enjoy what you can. Play for the love of the game. Enjoy the games on Friday, Saturday. And if you make a couple of bucks, well, glory to it. Do you find that the competition um, gets a little bit better because maybe some of the the periphery, like you said, like the Friday night sitting at the dinner table or on the toilet building a lineup, are those guys now like, over the worst to NFL? Of the line- and- yeah, like the worst of the lineups disappear, but the contests mm. get so much smaller that the best players haven't gone anywhere anyways, because they're going to play out the string just like me anyways. Yeah. So yeah, I wouldn't say the competition gets tougher because it's going to be the same 15 guys that are competing for first every week anyways, but it's a matter of the worst of the lineups disappear, but the contests are so small, they wouldn't be there anyways. So mm. I think you play basically the same way that you have to this point. You play the best plays, hope for the best, and if you make a couple of bucks, enjoy the ride. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's why we do this, because we love the CFL and uh, we love football. Uh, We're not one of these like anti-NFL, pro-CFL, like football's football, and I like it all. (laughs) And good football is good football. Yes. Which means (laughs) that bad football continues to be bad football, and we will call it as such. But anyways, here's to hoping for good football. Absolutely. Well, there it is, everyone. Here's your there's your week 14 CFL podcast for this 2022 season. Uh, we hope you guys um, have a great weekend. Uh, enjoy some of these rematches. Thankfully, there's no Toronto Hamilton, so we're happy about that. But um, yeah, we hope that uh, you have a ton of fun. Hopefully, you win some money. Uh, and I guess now we got to say, God save the king. So there we go. <laughs> Too soon. Great <laughs> chaos. Okay,